Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Yes. And, and I, I don't know if you've been in, maybe you're just kind of checking out our church. Maybe you're in transition. Maybe you're passing through on the holidays. But that we are going to be a church that is lively. We are, like, that's a cultural value for our church. Let me tell you why. Because we don't serve a dead God. And so, listen, theology should not make us boring. It should make us understand the life that we get to live and who gives us life. So when doctrine or theology begins to make you boring, stuffy, religious, you know, sophisticated, and then you are beginning to take your content so seriously that the joy of the Lord is not your strength. The substance that you're learning is now your strength. And we're, we're just not going to be a church that is boring and, and lifeless. And, I mean, like right now I'm talking in the worship team. You can hear them in there. They're, oh, praise God. <laughs> Text him, Tony. Listen, uh, <laughs> we having a party everywhere up in this piece. Listen, listen. The kids are, you're going to hear the kids. You're going to hear the worship team. You're going to hear us. We're, we're having a party. And I'm going to be honest. Like, that doesn't bother me. But they'll fix that for next Sunday, I promise. But, <laughs> but there's this idea that I don't want to go to a stuffy church. I don't want to go to a church that every Sunday looks like Halloween. I don't want to go to a church where you're, everyone's insecurity alarms are going off because I'm not sure if I'm wanted here. Here's what we're building a culture for the people who are deciding I want to come back to church. Listen to this. There are some people that have grown up in church that maybe they left the church at 13, 12, 20, whenever they went through college, and now something's going off in them, and they want to come back to church. And I don't want them to visit this church and feel like they're coming to a funeral. They're going to find the excitement, not goofiness, excitement. Like there is this genuine hope that I believe whatever problem I'm in, God has the answer for. I don't believe that I'm lost. I don't believe that I'm a victim. I don't believe that I'm just navigating through in life. I don't believe that I am subject to culture. And so the joy of the Lord is my strength. So we are going to praise. We are going to lift our hands. We are going to say, amen, that's good. We're going to clap come on and well I never I never went to a talking church before and I got to be honest pastor uh, I could focus a little bit more if everyone could stop clapping amening and just talking here's the thing I would say to you is we are wanting to teach you, we believe that more is caught than taught. Turn me down a little bit, please. Caught than taught. There's a revelation component to instruction. We are not trying to give you a moral lesson. We're trying to have the Holy Spirit begin to shift something in you. That It will be biblical. It will be grounded on God's Word. But what we're, you're not going to remember... The 37 minutes I talk, but there are going to be two minutes that goes right where you're at. And five people stopped me before, after the last service and said, did someone talk to you? And I was like, yes. Their eyes got real big. <laughs> Who? Jesus. <laughs> like the Holy Spirit is speaking and all I'm telling you is, you, you do want to go to a church. Don't go to a church that you dislike. 
I know that sounds weird, me being the pastor. Don't go to a church that you just like. If you're picking a church that you like, then I would be very careful because the truth is you want to pick a church that both is encouraging, encourages you to be your, the full potential that God gave you to be, but also, listen, that there is some conviction. If you can be your same nasty sinning self for like a year and there's never a sermon that challenges that it never challenges your flesh and never you never feel the conviction of the holy spirit going dang that was for me that not just like dang that was for my wife dang that was for my husband you kids are y'all listening but that was for me then I, I'm, I would tell you this, that you might not be in a growth church. Because when I go to the doctor, I just went, uh, went to the doctor uh, a couple days ago. And um, I, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm 47. I need to get all my testing done. I got to do some things uh, that 47's got to do that I didn't have to do when I was 20. Come on, somebody. And uh, I got, I got, and, I, and so we're running some tests and he's talking to me about my numbers and, and I, I got some things that I'm working on and, and when he's, I didn't pick a doctor that would just be super positive about the good things. I picked a doctor that would say, hey, I can tell you need to eat more lettuce. I can tell that you actually like french fries. See this number? Change it. <gasps> I'm switching doctors. You're not open-minded at all. Come on. You have to pick a church that is going to grow and you can actually feel the Holy Spirit begin to reach in and, and touch some things that you wish he would leave alone, but he won't leave alone because he loves you. In our church, there's going to be both encouragement and correction. There's going to be life. And so this is why we praise. This is why we stand. This is why we clap. This is why we engage in a life-giving manner. So amen. That's right. That's good. Preach it. You know what I'm saying? All of these things, we are going to be involved because I don't want other places to be more attractive than the life-giving presence of the Holy Spirit. Come on, does that make sense? Y'all give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. Come on, help me. We are ending up our sermon series on the generosity plan. And I want to talk to you about the power of multiplication. The power of multiplication. Many, maybe you just never were taught this, but God is a God of multiplication. God is a God of multiplication. When, and we look in the Old Testament, we see that there were um, covenants that God made. God made a covenant with Noah. God made a covenant with Abraham. God made a covenant. These are promises. God made a, a, a covenant with Moses. God made a covenant with David. And in all of these covenants that God made, there were three things that were the same in each of these covenants, obedience, reproduction, and increase. Obedience, reproduction, increase. See, our worldly economy operates on earning and work. That's how it, that you work and you earn. You work and you earn. You work and you earn. So that if we're not careful, we'll rate everything that we do based on the facts of working and earning and working and earning and working and earning. But the kingdom of God does not operate like that. It, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be diligent. We shouldn't be responsible. You shouldn't have a budget. Go back and listen to all of that. I believe that we have to manage all of that. But if you want to increase and you want to see multiplication in your life, it happens, obedience, reproduction, 
increase. Because God created everything that was submitted under obedience to him to thrive. This is how he lets the world know, the world know my way is right and your way is destruction. Because it defies just the natural order and there's a supernatural order of when my people will humble themselves and they will obey me. Their reproduction, they touch the hand of God, blessings on their life, and then there will be increase. Everybody understand that? Even in the new covenant with Jesus, it is the same type of model. Think about this. What, what did Jesus tell us? Okay, so in the Old Testament, they were to reproduce and God was creating a people and he was going to give them a land, right? Flowing with milk and honey, we're going back. And basically God was creating a nation and that nation was going to be a kingdom because we know that Jesus was going to come back to rule over his kingdom, okay? In the New Testament, here's what we learned. Now our goal is not just reproduction, although that still is happening. But now Jesus said, go out to all the earth. Come on. Preach the name of Jesus. Baptize people in the name of the Father. Come on, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the idea is I need you to be obedient. I need you to re reproduce spiritual souls. And if you do, there will be increase in the kingdom of God. And the... Uh, our whole idea is to begin to break fear off of our life so that we can make a difference, come on, in the kingdom. That we, You should have clapped for that, some of you. I'm helping you. I'm helping you. Because a lot of people don't know, well, why am I going to church? You're not going to church to get a moral lesson. You're not going to church to be a little bit better person. You're going to church to get a revelation of heaven so that you would live everyday missional, so that you would realize that your seed needs to be sown and you are actually a part of furthering the gospel. That's why we send missionaries. That's why we plant churches. That's why we do life groups. That's why we disciple people. That's why we begin to grow. Come on, does that make sense? Because there is a seed that's being sown in you for souls. And that is the job of the church. So here's the thing. Does God want you to increase? Does God want you to increase? Let me ask you a couple questions today. Do you believe that God wants you to have healthy relationships in 2023? Come on, you're not with me. I'm going to ask you again. Do you believe that God wants you to have healthy relationships in 2023? There you go. Come on. Welcome to church. Glad you're here. Do you believe that God wants to unlock your purpose in 2023? Yes. Some of you now you can answer because you know that that's the right answer. Good job. I feel the confidence rising. Do you believe that God wants you to financially increase in 2023? <laughs> that was a lot louder. I just want to say that just for the record. Last one. Do you believe that God wants to use you to advance the gospel in 2023? Absolutely. See, overwhelmingly, your answer, listen, should have been yes. And you may say, well, Pastor Stephen, I know this is the end of the giving sermon, but I'm really feeling like this is a New Year's resolution sermon. And this is feeling awkwardly like New Year's resolutions, and I don't do those. And we can talk about that uh, later. But actually, I do hope that you are making a resolution, and a resolution is a firm decision. And I would say this. I would suggest to you that the reason the church is where it is is because we have adopted a culture, the ends justify the means. And we have stopped making Holy Spirit resolutions. This is what I'm going to do. This is who I'm going to be. This is what God says. And I'm going to be obedient to that regardless of how I feel or my feelings or how I'm tempted. I am going to obey. Come on, that was an amen moment right there. So if you think in your head that's good, just say it out loud, okay? Here's the thing, is as we begin to look at this, increase has a direct correlation to your giving. 
The purpose in your life is unlocked by your willingness to sow good seed. Why did I emphasize good seed? Because there is bad seed. Okay, let's, let's take this. We talked about the covenants. Let's talk about Noah for just a second. Okay, what happened in the story of Noah? You will find that in Genesis, around Genesis chapter 6. We're not going to turn there, but I'm just going to give you the story. Mankind had disobeyed. They had disobeyed. They reproduced. And they did not increase what God's heart on the land. They increased what? Wickedness. See, the reality is everything multiplies. Good seed, bad seed. Everything multiplies. And if we're not careful, we will think that, oh, well, you know what? It doesn't really matter how I act. No, no, no. It matters. You're sowing seeds. God wants you to sow good seeds. And this, and, and this is why God had to wipe out a society of people because their wickedness kept growing wickedness and it was multiplying wickedness. And I'm just telling you, as a church, we have a lot of people moving into our church. Our church is growing. We are going to be a church fundamentally we're going to obey God. That means we're going to have to talk about sin. And sin ain't sexy. A lot of people want to skirt sin. And let's call sin a mistake. Let's call sin a slip up. And, and so here's what we've done. Because none of us are perfect. And Romans tells us that all have fallen short of the glory of God. We have tried to somehow make sin softer. And somehow make it a little bit easier to deal with. But the truth is, if we don't handle this, you could actually come to church for years and multiply destruction in your life until you pivot and you never really get to increase. Because obedience is blessed. Come on somebody. Then we begin to reproduce it. Then we get to see the increase of what? Not just our decision, but obeying God. Then we come in order. And God will flourish you. And that is our heart for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6-7 through 7 says this, But I say this, He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as his purpose. Look at this. That in his heart, not begrudging. Listen, we don't want to twist your arm and tell you to give, 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 give. We want to position your heart. And so that means we're going to talk. If every time giving comes up in church, it brings off all of this toxic and trauma and whatever, then you, that's, a, that's an indication that healing needs to happen. Not that we need to stop talking. If the pastor begins to talk about marriage and divorce and triggers go off, the issue has been now we stop talking about marriage and we stop talking about divorce because there's all been these, these situations when in reality we're not judging anybody, but we've got people who have experienced real hardship stories and things that we don't even know what all happened. And then we also have people that are learning how to be married and stay married. We can't stop talking about truth because it's uncomfortable. We've got to just begin to go, okay, what is the heart of God? Come on, help me. This is how we move forward. We don't want you to give under compulsion. But we want to ask the question, what would keep you from giving and what would keep you from having a cheerful heart? Because when I'm obedient and I see reproduction and I see increase, it's not because of my own. I'm not saying that I don't have a part in it. I am saying that I am under a supernatural covering to expand. Come on, does that make sense? God doesn't multiply you before you give. Come on. God doesn't multiply you before you give. Multiplication always happens after giving. Let's spend some time talking about the power of multiplication. My assignment is the power of multiplication. Now, I have seen multiplication play in my own life. And you have too. I gave Katie a ring. 
And then we had children. And we had four wonderful children. And we have seen, come on, multiplication. I wrote a book. I was a youth pastor for years. Um, this is 20 years ago. And I was grieving as a youth pastor because here's what I was seeing. I was seeing young people who were growing up in church fighting for the back row of church. And I was like, God, why, why are young people who are growing up in the house of God fighting for the back row instead of in the front row engaging? And in some time in prayer, he was like, People will always fight for the back row if they feel unwanted. If they feel like there's no responsibility for them. And there is no reason for them to be in the house. See, here's the thing is, when I was a kid, I had a lot of movies that I watched. And I watched them over and over and over and over, and over again because I liked them. But then after that, I stopped watching them. And I never want our church to be where we have kids that come or young people that come or college students that come and they like it for about two or three years and then once they've kind of heard all there is to hear. Come on, is this good? See, and so the idea was that we wrote this book. Uh, I wrote this book called Be the One and it was this idea that God wanted to partner with you to see the kingdom advance. And, and out of that book started a ministry. And now we're in different states. And we're just seeing the, the multiplication of the Lord. Well, this, this church started with discipleship. We started discipling a few people. And then we grew out of our home into something else. And, then, and, that, and now we're here. Multiplication. And I don't believe that, that God thinks that Stephen and Katie are just so special. I, I, I honestly believe that. The Bible says that God is no respecter of person. And so here's the deal. Are you really waiting for the dream that's in your life? For somehow one day it just is manifest? Or does God want you to put you under obedience? I will do what you tell me to do regardless of what it looks like. I will reproduce everything that you've given me. And then I will watch increase come. Come on, does that make sense? Okay, so let's, let's see this play out. Everybody say multiplication. Come on. Everybody say it like a conviction. Multiplication. multiplication. There you go. Obedience and generosity will always open up more capacity. Okay, listen. Obedience and generosity will always open up more capacity. God is a God of multiplication. Turn with me to John chapter 6, verse 2 through 12. This is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And it is known very well. In fact, this is one of the only stories that are in all four Gospels. All four Gospels. I want you to look at this. John chapter 6, starting in verse 2. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Come on, can I just tell you this? I want to talk real quick. You young people, y'all look at me. I don't want to be a church like the old people. I want to be a church that, like the young people. Now here's the tension. You've got to learn from the old. Because it would be crazy for you not to. There's a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom in this church. You understand that? So you don't have to go make every dumb decision. You, you can go ask somebody. You can get some wisdom. You can ask some people some things. Come, anybody know what I'm talking about? Get an amen on that. Come on, anybody want to spare some kids some trauma? <laughs> All right, good. But I want people coming to the Lord because they believe that God still does stuff. That God is still working, that God is still moving, that God is still on the throne. Come on, y'all hear me. This is where you clap because here's the deal. Listen, 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 listen. I, I'm, I'm not trying to entertain you. Every time I preach, I believe 10% of the people are leaving. Because here's, here's, here's what I want you to know. Is I am not preaching for you. I actually get my love for you from him. So I don't, I don't serve you because I love you. I serve you because I love him. 
If I served you because I loved you, every time you posted something, talked about something, missed a service, I'd be mad at you. And you'd be mad at me. Is this, is this too real? Come on. And so I, the only way for me to stay in love with my wife is for me to stay close to God. The only way for me to stay in love with my kids is for me to stay close to God. The only way to be a pastor that has love is to stay close to God. So this idea that you are, I am not trying to be a live movie for you. I believe the Holy Spirit is imparting things as I'm talking and you want to take it from the stage, not just observe it and criticize it as it comes out. Come on, is this good? Come on, say it's good. Okay, I'm helping this. People were coming because of what Jesus was doing. I want people to come to the house because of what they see Jesus doing. Come on. I want, Jamie, come on. I want to see people come because they meet you at work and you've been here for a year and all of a sudden your marriage is turning around. All of a sudden, listen, listen. All of a sudden, the way your outlook is turning around. You're no longer depressed as much. You're no longer, see, all of a sudden people ask, hey, what are you on? Ah, oh, man, you probably wouldn't want to know. What are you on? What are you, are you Prozac, and drug, ah, oh, Jesus. What? Yeah, I've been going to church and actually I've been doing a lot of self-reflection and I've actually given God a lot of my issues and I'm actually starting to walk through freedom. And the crazy thing is, is I thought I was fine, but I was really jacked up. Come on. Jesus went up to the mountain and he sat down there with the disciples and now the Passover of the Feast of the Jews was at hand and lifting his eyes then and seeing a large crowd was coming toward him. Jesus says to Philip, hey, where are we going to buy some bread? <laughs> so that these people can eat. And he, li listen to this, this six. He said this to test him, for he already, was, he already knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread will not be enough for each of these to get a little bit. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, uh, there's a boy here with five barley loaves and two fish and... Uh, this is what we got. Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was much grass in the place. So men sat down about 500 in number. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So the fish, so they ate the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples to gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing may be lost. Real quick, I want to give you three strategies for multiplication. Three strategies for multiplication that I believe will change your life. The first is this. Seeing the need puts you in position to act. Come on. Seeing the need puts you in position to act. Jesus pauses for perspective. Now you would think if anyone did not need to pause for perspective, it would be Jesus. That Jesus was all God and all man, and he knew the end from the beginning. So if there was anybody who did not need to pause, it would be Jesus, but he paused. Now think about this. He climbs up the mountain. He sits down with his disciples. Perspective is happening, and because he takes time for perspective, he can see what's happening. Sometimes we miss our moments to give because we never sit down and pause and have perspective. See, we're living our life at such a fast rate and we're just handling things as fast as we can that we live in this idea, oh, you needed that? I didn't even know you needed that. And, and true, sometimes you got to reach out. Sometimes you got to let people know. But if you live so fast on only what you're doing, you will never have time for perspective. Jesus gives us a lesson in leadership. Jesus sees what is coming and starts a conversation. For us, that would be called anticipation. Come on, I want to talk to us a little bit. Uh, my son plays on a basketball team. And one of the issues going on right now that's, that's hurting the multiplication of points, wins, and numbers is they can't anticipate where they need to be. And so they're listening to the coach and they're only moving based on what the coach says. I want to help all of you who work for someone. 
day. The greatest thing that you can do is get the idea and concept of your boss. When you can begin to think like your boss, we're not talking about downplaying your value. We're not talking about changing your personality. We're not talking, but if you can begin to go, how is my boss thinking? And you begin to anticipate what they want, then here's the deal. There will be more trust in the room for you. Anticipation. Come on, where are all my married people? You've been married for three or four years. And I promise you, if you begin to anticipate, when you come home from work, it's been five years now, and you haven't learned that your wife doesn't like it when you walk in with your, your phone to your ear. And she sees you, <laughs> and you're like, what? Why am I? It's just a phone. It's just a call. Come on, like that dish, that food was so good, but anticipation helps you know that my wife cooked it, or maybe your husband cooked it, and you're eating it, and guess what? That plate needs to float up. Come on, it needs to get to the, listen, come on, now you ain't minning. It needs to get to the sink. It needs to get cleaned off. It needs to get up in the dishwasher, and someone, y'all about to amen this, needs to learn how to load the dishwasher. <laughs> Anticipation. Every time, I, every time I put a dish in there, she changes it. That means you got to learn. Come on, anticipate. Jesus is teaching us that for the next movement of God, someone's got to see it coming. Come on. So here's the deal. Don't live your life so frantically that you lose perception. A loss of perception affects multiplication. Be aware of your anger. Be aware. Listen, come on, can we talk? Be aware of your desire to flirt with that person that you're not married to. What's in me right now? Why do I want to go to the water bottle? Why do I want to go get coffee right now at this time? Why do I want Why am I so invested, invested in their encouragement? Why am I gravitating to... Come on. Be aware that you're talking negatively to people. Be aware that your heart is hard and you're, you're in a position that doesn't bring perspective. Come on. All I'm saying is stay in a position where you can see clearly. Perspective affects multiplication. See, need causes sight. Because there was no food... The need began to cause the disciples to look. Come on, how many of us have found more things when we're looking for something else? Come on, those keys are lost and you're like, oh, where my key? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, well, cool. I found this uh, uh, gift card. I, I found my wedding ring. I found my, uh, uh, here, are the, here are the fingernail clippers. <laughs> I didn't even know they were there. And, and you're like, you're finding all of this stuff because of need. Could it be that even Jesus saying we have eyes and we can't see is because we don't see a need. And if you begin to see needs, then your eyes would get clear and you would begin to see your purpose on the earth. Come on, help me. This is also a basic leadership principle. God always gives seed to the sower. Everyone has seed. Everyone has the seed of potential. What do you really have among you? Stop saying you need better people. See them. Train them. Sow into them. Come on. Refuse to be blinded by only seeing problems. It's important to see that Jesus was testing Philip. Philip was asked where we're going to get the bread. And Philip, what? You want us to, that's like 200 denarii. So 200 denarii, that was like eight months of wages. 
want to spend eight months of wages on feeding these people where we don't even know half of them are going to really even follow you? That is not a good investment of ministry money. We, we need to talk to the board about this. I don't really understand how that's a good return on our investment. Come on. And Philip began to calculate, and he quickly got to the place where he knew there wasn't enough. Sometimes Jesus will ask a question to test the limitations of your heart. Are you in fear or are you in faith? Maybe today you need to know where the bread really is. And Jesus, listen, this wasn't about bread and fish. This was a throwback to the Old Testament because they admired and they believed that Moses was the man. Why? Because God through Moses had quail come and had manna in the desert. And God gave the law and all of these great things happened through Moses. And Jesus is like, yo, my God hasn't lost the recipe for manna, y'all. Come on. Like, like God still knows how to produce when there doesn't really seem like a lot can be produced. And Jesus was actually doing a throwback. And he was like, you guys idolize Moses, but I'm right in front of you. And I'm about to drop bread right on you. Come on. And Jesus did it with bread and fish. And today... Maybe we need to stop seeing some limitations. Maybe when you see it, you see through a worldly system and all you see is we don't have enough money, the facts don't figure, the crowd's too large to feed, and we don't have enough resources. And I am telling you, that's why you want to come under a biblical mandate. Obedience, reproduction, increase. Come on, does that make sense? Here's the second thing. Giving God the small has huge implications. Most of the time, it is not the incredibly large gifts that move the kingdom forward. It is the small gifts that people begin to seem as insignificant that are done by a bunch of people and all of a sudden... See, nothing is insignificant when it's given out of love. The principle of multiplication is predicated on the idea that you have something to give. You have something to give today. You are not a waste of space. Come on, you're not an animal. You're not someone who's just, I'm just trying to control all of these emotions and how I feel. No, no, no. You're a son and a daughter of God. There is a lot in you. There's potential. Stop listening to the liar. Come on, somebody. Big or small, it doesn't work on what you don't have. Multiplication, multiplication works on what you give. Don't be so focused on the bigger and the better that you miss the small moments that could make a big impact in your life. Andrew, his help is, hey, we found a boy in a crowd. And... Uh, he has a few loaves and a few fish. It was like he had the Hebrew Happy Meal. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what? There, there are 5,000 people here. And, and here, here's the thing is, if you look at the numbers, back then they only really counted men. So it is estimated that there, there were, the women and children, they were present. They were just not counted. So you're talking about like 20,000 People, maybe even more. And I'm sure Philip was like, Andrew, like you ever have anybody talk in the business meeting that you're like, <laughs> if they're here today, look forward. <laughs> just, just look forward because we're not that church. Do you ever have anybody at your home that stop uh, do you ever have any like, like when, when you're do, when you're doing uh like like you're asking a question and the person who wants to talk first you know they don't have any of the facts correct 
they're just wanting to be first. Come on, you don't have those people in your, okay, cool. We're not the only family. All right. Philip has got to be like, Andrew, stop. You're not helping. You got this snack pack. That's what I found. But here's what Jesus' response to that was. Jesus said, have them sit down. There's grass everywhere. So the men sat down about 5,000 in number. If you look over to Mark chapter 6 and verse 40, it says they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. In other words, this is a huge logistical situation that we are now sitting down 25,000 people and we're telling them that if you want anything, you're going to have to sit down. Well, I want to be in that group. No, you're in this group. That's for you. You're, you're, you're on 100. Well, why are they, why are they on 100? Now I'm only on 50. Oh, okay. Okay. I see what's happening here. You were just in 50. But here's, here's what I want you to see. In the middle of not having enough, Jesus told them to prepare. That is not a worldly concept. In other words, here's the deal. Perception, obedience, reproduction, increase. Jesus told the disciples, sit them down. Well, why would we sit them down when we don't even have anything? Sit them down. Well, I, I just don't understand because you show me where we're going to get the food. I'll sit them down. But they're going to all ask me. If I talk to 25,000 people, they're going to be like, what are we doing? I just need a little bit more details. If you give me the plan, if you just let me know what you're doing, what you're hiding, what you're thinking about, what you're, go sit them down. I don't understand. Go sit them. What if actually God's not whole, what the whole time, maybe there's been this frustration and argument between you and God because there's this purpose in you and God is like, I've told you the first thing to do. You keep wanting to debate me, but until you obey me, well, come on y'all, I can't move you toward increase. God blesses order. So I'm going to say some things. And if this is our last time to be together, I love you. <laughs> Honor your father and mother is order. It is the hardest thing in the world to grow up seeing the humanity of your parents and still honoring the position that they hold. God is not asking you to interrogate or evaluate your parents. He said if you want order in your life, you'll honor them. Because here's the concept of honor. The concept of honor is God is big enough to handle everything, but you are big enough to handle what's in you. Order. Order. So there is order. And, and if we don't get honor, isn't it funny that the first relationship, when we talk about the Ten Commandments, is parents. Then it's stealing, killing in the Ten Commandments. In other words, if you mishonor with your parents, you will dishonor every authority in your life. And it, that means you'll quit job again and again and again because your boss isn't perfect. You'll get married again and again and again because your spouse isn't perfect. You'll go to... You'll leave church after church after church after church because your pastors aren't perfect. Which, I don't want to tell you that. Come on, does, honor doesn't mean naiveness. We're not talking about that. We're talking about honor. And honor is order. Let's just talk about in the home. Men. God blesses honor. And so I'm just going to come for you for five seconds. If you're not leading, you're not leading your family to multiplication. And that is a tension because we're going to be honest. 
We now have had 40 to 60 years of single moms leading the way. Being abandoned. And it's raised up this generation of incredibly strong women. Which um, I have two girls. My wife's very strong. If you know her, you think she's nice. But, uh, uh, you know, she, she really is. But, but she don't play either. Uh, uh, so I'm not talking about not being strong. Y'all help me. But if we're not careful, there will be this constant tension because of the curse that I have to be an honor, but I don't like the way you do anything. So I'm going to take position, and now we're going to fight over, and we're wondering why we don't move into increase, but it's a duality. And it's hard. Because I, if you know my wife, you know that she's smarter than me in every way. I'm not, I'm not insecure about that. Like, she can read and write. And I'm still learning. Uh, like, I'm 47 years old, I'm still learning. But here's the deal, is the reason that we've been able to increase so much is because my insecurity has, has walked through freedom and I can hear everything that she wants to say. But she still lets me lead, even though I'm a broken vessel. You hear what I'm saying? Even though I'm a broken vessel, and I don't do it all right. And, and that's the only way that we stay obedient, reproduce, come on and have, come on, say it. Y'all just should have got that by now. Stay obedient, reproduce, and have. Good, thank you. And so my job is not to critique you because I know there's really things. That there, there may, maybe your husband, your man, got beat down most of his life and he is absolutely does not want to engage. Because there's fear that I'm going to do it wrong. I'm going to say it wrong. I'm not perfect enough. I'm not good enough. Maybe there's some stuff in you that every man in your life hurt you. But all I'm telling you is until we get to freedom, we can't see the increase that is on your life. And this is not, listen, I know I don't know every story. And I know I don't know every situation. Come on, is this? And I'm not saying I do. All I'm saying is God told us how blessings and increase would happen. And that's what I want for you. So when my home is out of order, It's all on me. When there's strife in the house, it's all on me. Order. Obedience. Reproduction. Increase. Come on, is this good? Giving your tithe is order. Walking in obedience is order. God will never bless disorder. That is why it's so important. Listen, the dream in your heart is predicated off of order. Order precedes multiplication. If you want to see, come on, your passion in marriage ignite again. If you want to see your friendships grow. If you want to have a home full of peace. If you want to get more done and waste less time. Order is the answer. Stop demanding and start giving. Let me just say this about all relationships. Actions produce emotions. Emotions don't produce actions. Our culture says, if I feel it, I'll do it. But if you succumb to that thinking, then here's what will happen is you will do very little because your feelings always change. The actuality is that's not self-control. Self-control is I'm going to do the right action. I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to do what God asked me to do. I'm going to forgive when I want to have revenge. I am going to do the right action. And then my feelings change. 
Come on, is this good? Stop being critical. Serve someone. God blesses order. The small thing that you have to give is very powerful. Here's the third thing. Come on, we're landing this plane. Tell me you love me. I love you. I'm not mad. Uh, look, hear what I'm saying. I, I'm not coming for you. I don't want to build up all your defenses. I want to speak truth in love. Here's the third one. There is always more than enough when God is involved. There is always more than enough when God is involved. Jesus has a plan. That's what I love about this story. You know, Philip didn't know the plan. Andrew didn't know the plan. But Jesus was like, hey, what are we going to do about this? I actually already know, but what are you going to really do? And that takes all the pressure off that you're like, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen in your career. You don't know what's happening next. You don't know what's going to happen with your relationships and friendships and whatever. But Jesus has a plan. And I'm staying close to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Our house is a place where Jesus can still do miracles in your body, in your family, in your finances. Faith begins to stir in me because I know that Jesus is not, come on, caught off guard. He is planning what happens next. While people are thinking, let's just get to Jesus. Jesus is planning and preparing for what's next. Even in this moment, Jesus has a plan for what is next for you, for what you. Jesus' plan wasn't to frustrate the disciples. It was to stretch them. Jesus was going to give and give abundantly. He didn't want to give out samples like at the Sam's Club. Everybody come and get, oh, don't you want another? Sorry. Jesus commanded, I love this, to the disciples he gathered. He said, gather all the leftover pieces in order that nothing would be lost. Now listen to this. It, the NIV version says wasted. There were baskets left over. And what is left over should be used and never wasted. The abundance of the blessing of God, the goodness of God, the increase that begins to happen in your life. Don't waste it wasted because if you begin to obey and you start to reproduce there will be increase don't waste what God has given and blessed you thank you for listening to this week's podcast we would love to hear how this message impacted you feel free to let us know on the contact us tab of the house website we hope you have a great week